Hello and welcome to the Healthcare Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Healthcare Podcast, where we bring you the topics, insights, thought leaders, and discussions that may just change the way you think about healthcare. On today's episode, we're going to talk about why your hospital should be on TikTok, really how to leverage social media for your facility. Today's episode should be a lot of fun. We're going to do a deep dive into social media and talk about why your hospital or infusion center or private practice or physical therapy office should be on social media. Not only why, but what to do to get started and some best practices for increasing your presence and engagement. We can all agree that social media is important in today's world. It is increasingly the number one form of communication. About 80% of all Americans are on social media. In addition to that, on average, people spend three hours each day on some social media platform. That's over 200 million people that are on social media at least three hours every day. So if you're not taking full advantage, you are missing out on a lot of community engagement and business opportunity. Not only that, but as as a healthcare provider, you are missing opportunities to help your communities with information and education. And at the time of this recording, we are in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. While these principles and tactics we discuss will be evergreen, it is important context, especially as communities look for answers, comfort, and leadership. Social media can be a powerful communication channel. So to talk about all this and give us her expert opinion is the one and only Rebecca Batterman. Rebecca is a consumer marketing brand innovation strategy and intellectual property law expert. Her career has been rooted in exploring and challenging the traditional formats of the consumer and brand relationships. Rebecca spends her days launching brands and creating fully immersive brand communities through digital and live experiences, strategic partnerships, and influencer marketing. She has led programs for well-known global brands such as L'Oreal, Sony, Target, P&G, and Lego, to name a few, for product launches, experiential marketing, and corporate innovation. Rebecca challenges brands to explore innovation not just for their products, but in the way that they connect with consumers. Her work has won numerous innovation and experiential marketing awards. She's launched over 30 consumer brands to market for startups and for Fortune 500 companies alike. Rebecca has raised and managed over $100 million in client business with brands, startups, institutions, and nonprofits. And if all this wasn't enough, she also has a background in media production, including original content creation, and is a Master's of Intellectual Property Law candidate at the Cardozo School of Law. Welcome to the show, Rebecca, and thank you so much for being here. Great. Thanks for having me. That was that was a lot. <laughs> great intro, uh, though. <laughs> well, you certainly deserve it. You've done a lot of really impressive and great things throughout your career. Um, we're really excited to talk to you today. Great. So I usually like to start the show with a quote, and I uh, found one that I think is relevant for our conversation today uh, from George Bernard Shaw. He said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. And I think that's a good starting point for our conversation because, you know, I think companies and brands maybe think that they are communicating, but are not really reaching their customers or their communities. Is that something in your experience that you see a lot of? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great quote. And um, it's definitely what I, I see. Um, what happens a lot is, 
I think brands think they know who their audience is and they think they're doing the right way to connect, but because everything changes so quickly, you know, we have new technologies and there are trends and shifts and um, it takes a lot to actually stay on top of all of that. And sometimes brands just aren't able to do that. And so they're thinking they're connecting with their consumers, but they're not reaching them at at the full capacity that they could be. Um, They're not leveraging the opportunities that are there. That's interesting. So more kind of through the channel, you think? Like they're not kind of amplifying enough and getting to people, even though they're saying things, are they kind of shouting into the void kind of as it were? Yeah, I think it can really, um, it can really vary. But something to keep in mind is if you're a brand, you are producing X product, that's your specialty. So it's a lot to expect that that brand also be an expert in understanding social media trends or um, generational trends, like what's happening with different audience groups. I mean, there are specialized agencies and companies that their whole focus is on these different things. So that's why it's really important for brands to really focus on what's core to their business and to partner and bring in experts, agencies that are focusing on those emerging trends and collaborate with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the, the partnership thing is definitely interesting. I think uh, maybe we'll get into that a little bit later because I think it's certainly important, but that's a really good point. I never really thought about it as you know, you're running your business. It's a hospital, it's a health clinic, it's something, you know, that's your expertise, not necessarily new social media platforms, how to market, how to do all those types of, you know, other activities. Right. So I wanted to ask you to start off with um, sort of some more broad questions. And one of them is about branding. So obviously branding has been around forever. Um, any company product, you know, service you buy kind of comes with a brand. Um, but, you know, relative to hospitals, you know, thinking about it outside of like Mayo or Kaiser, I'm not sure a lot of people could really name a national hospital chain or even a regional chain. Um, how important do you see uh, brand building is for hospitals? Um, yeah, that it, it, it is interesting because for a long time, um, you know, you, I think you go to the hospital that's in your area and that's where you get treated. Um, now that specializations happening in different places, your brand, even as a hospital matters, um, you know, you're competing against other hospitals that can offer the same service. You're trying to show that your research or treatment is maybe superior than another one. Um, So in that case, your branding does matter. Um, I I really, the way I like to look at it is regardless of what your product is, and in, in this conversation, we're talking about hospital chains, that's the product. If you have an audience and you, and the audience has multiple choices, and you want to stand out among that, you have to have some level of branding. You have to provide the audience with something that they can grab. So when they're given a choice between brand A and brand B, they they have enough information to make that selection. Otherwise, it's just going to be random or they're going to go with the brand that they're more aware of. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I I think that 
bygone are the days like you like you mentioned that there's just one hospital available to you or one you know doctor that you could go to serves either your community and you know certainly not always the case but like you suggest with the ease of travel these days you know people fly all over the country for different treatments for for knees for you know ortho surgeries for second opinions for you know chronic conditions etc and the brand certainly can carry a lot of weight where people decide to go yeah and i think i think what's unfortunate is there's a stigma around the word brand on some level that if you are if you are providing some kind of service you can't have a brand like somehow it negates the service so but that's not the case all we mean when we say a brand is awareness really an opportunity to show your consumers here's what we do and here's what we do really well you here's how we can help you choose us yeah i like that's a good way to think about it because yeah people people kind of brush off brand a lot of times you know it's almost taken for granted like oh we need to build the brand and it's like yeah well we'll just keep offering what we offer and eventually with without concerted effort it'll it'll do its own thing Mm -hmm. and i think in if i'm if i'm hearing you right you know today's pretty competitive environment it's not enough to just kind of let things develop organically like that well and also it's it's not fair for the consumer i mean we the audience we we are just inundated with so much content and so many messages that it helps us to know what you can offer in a very clear way without having to like sift through and guess if you're if you know that your hospital or your practice offers something very unique and special, tell me in a clear way. So if I need that, I, I know to go to you. You know, speaking of that um, and kind of thinking through some of the questions I wanted to ask you about this is with a, uh, with a larger organization, with a company and you know, again, like I said, sometimes people aren't very intentional with brand or it's sort of a secondary byproduct. You know, how does a large organization develop that kind of authentic voice that's representative of the organization so that it's not just, oh, we're, you know, we're Hospital A, like, you know, I'm in Atlanta, we're Emory. Like, how do you even start to think about, like, what's the voice of, you know, Emory University Hospital or, you know, Kaiser Permanente. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, it's, it, it sounds like a cop out answer, but actually the best way to create an authentic voice is to actually be authentic to what you can offer. I think where brands really get stuck is when they try to play in spaces that they shouldn't be playing in. Um, be authentic to what you can actually offer. So, and how you can enhance the lives of your audience or um, consumers, you know, depending on what the brand is, and, and tie back to your mission. So all, all organizations, I mean, you, you spoke of Emory or Kaiser, they have mission statements. They also have information on what they specialize in. They know what they specialize in. So lean into that. It's already there. And it is what sets you apart. If, if you know, and I don't know this, but if Emory has a really strong um cardiac unit and again disclaimer i don't i don't know whether they do or don't (laughs) Um, but they're like oh you know it's 
we really want to play in the pediatric space. So let's put all our resources and focus in, in that. But, but what they really have is a really strong cardiac unit. You know, it's better to stay authentic to what you already have um, that you're really strong in and play up those, those skills um, because you'll, that authentic voice will come through more naturally when you do that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know we're kind of, we get, we're getting deep quickly on this, but I love it. This is really, this is really insightful and good information. Um, you know, it's kind of a follow-up to that. And I think that makes total sense. Maybe some, and I know I've maybe struggled in the past with, you know, doing social media for myself or organizations, like you want to be authentic. So say Emory and, you know, they're cardiac and, and they do, by the way, have a great cardiac program among, oh, among other oh, things. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, how do they then take that step to connect? So they, they want to put out some content around like, they offer, do they say we offer all these services? You know, is it more like pictures of the community that we've helped? You know, how does, how would a hospital kind of set their sale in a direction so that they know the type of, you know, they say, let's be authentic. We're going to focus on what we do well, and what we know. And how do they fill that pipeline with the kind of content and information that makes somebody want to say, oh, this is really interesting or, oh, I, I can, I get, I, I'm getting to know Emory a little bit better. I want to learn more. Maybe I want to go there. How do they find that direction? Well, it depends. So, so there's a lot of different social media platforms. Um, There could be a number of different audiences that you're appealing to on your social media. So I think like the first thing is really figuring out who your audience is, like what you're on social media, why? Who are you trying to connect with? Are you trying to share with the general community? You know, here's what we specialize in. So if you need it, like come to us. So is, is your audience then potential patients? Um, is your audience funders? You know, like figuring out who the audience is and, and what's really driving the action to even be on social media um, will, it, is, it has to be the first step. Um, if you don't know who your audience is, you're just going to just throw spaghetti against the wall and it's not going to have direction and it's not going to be as impactful because you're trying to reach everyone and instead you'll reach no one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Certainly knowing, I guess, who you're talking to is, is always a good starting point. And I hadn't even really thought, I, I guess, as I was sort of thinking through through this, I was kind of thinking, well, hospitals probably want to talk to their potential patients. Um, but there are so many more, uh, I don't know if you want to call them consumers or stakeholders or interested parties that maybe want to hear from these organizations and coming up with those, those people makes sense as a starting point. Well, and also, you know, with social media and and this is a deeper social media conversation, but, you know, there are tactics that that you can take while within, you're within platforms to really target your audience. So, you know, you can select if you're running ads, age range and socioeconomic level and interest and all these different things. And if you are reaching a, a mass audience, you're going to lose the effect of what the platform can even offer you with a targeted audience because you don't yourself know who you want to reach. So, 
you're actually not even able to take advantage of what the platforms can offer you if you haven't taken the first step to identify your audience. That's a, that's a good, really good tactical point. And maybe that I like the deep dive. Um, (laughs) It's a, I know I've certainly well been part of companies or thought about it myself and like everyone, you know, you get on what I call it, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever. And it's like, okay, you just post content and sort of leave it there. But there are all these tools um, where, you know, at, for ads and for uh, you know, sponsored posts and you can really get deep into a specific targeting, you know, by, ge- like you said, by geography, socioeconomic, you know, job title, different types of things. So, you know, to that end, if we can just follow this tactical thought a little bit, you know, how do you generally suggest that people, because in that way, you could have maybe a four, five, three different kind of identified target groups. You know, how do you approach even starting with who should my target groups be? Um, well, I'm going to break that out. Um, who who is your audience? Like, who should the tar- tar- the target audience actually be? Um, that is a larger conversation about. Um, what the goals are for the organization. So this is where if you are a hospital or you're a practice um, and you need additional support, hiring an agency can be very valuable to help you work through all of this and set it up up front where you can figure out, well, here's what we want. Here's, Here's why we're even doing this. Here's what we want to accomplish. And here's who we want to engage. And with that, you can create a strategy to actually roll out a plan where maybe you are targeting different audiences at different points across the different platforms, you know, and it becomes this whole infrastructure of what are we doing strategically. But that makes a lot of sense um, that, you know, working with somebody, and that was going to be kind of a question I wanted to get to anyways, in terms of working with a partnership with an agency, you know, that they can help navigate some of those waters and developing and identifying kind of the target audience because it can be hard sometimes even you just say like well you know maybe for a consumer brand you you can certainly correct me as my background is not in consumer but if we have a 27 20 something 20 to 30 year old female population that we generally want to target um you know is it possible to even further segment that or narrow that or think about what other types of uh, features your product has that could even appeal to a different audience that you maybe didn't even think about before. Yeah, I think, I think absolutely. Um, the, the trick to everything is to have, ha- to have some sort of structure. You know, I think a lot of um, brands that don't already have a social media strategy in place or a a marketing strategy in place look and they think that things just kind of happen organically but actually there's a lot of work that goes into creating content and and disseminating content in the way that we we know to to digest it Um, it takes a lot of work and so partnering with an agency or if you have an internal um, member that is well versed on like what the different options are creating a plan basically is is really a very important first step 
creating a plan and figuring out who you're targeting. Um, with that, different platforms have different purposes and different offerings. So, you know, if you want to create more fun content, you know, you can do that on one platform. Like that would be more an Instagram or you mentioned TikTok earlier, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure that <laughs> everyone needs to be on TikTok because it really does depend on who you're targeting. But, um, you know, there are different platforms for different different things. Um, if you're sharing research, um, you know, maybe, maybe you don't want to do it on TikTok. Uh, it just comes down to who do you want to see this information and where are they? And that come and having a deep understanding of like who is out, who is engaging on these different platforms and, ha- and, you know, how are they engaging is really important to your, your plan as you develop it out. Um, with that, you know, I think what's, what's an important thing to remember is kind of like people, brands can have different layers. So you might want your content one day to feature one pillar of, of your, your brand, like patient, you know, featuring patients, um, or, and you might want another piece to be about awards one or, you know, whatever is important to your brand. Um, but all that to say, I'll just stress again, like if you are an organization that has a specialty and it is not social media, it's great, great to bring in people who do specialize in that, who can really help you and be a strong partner. Yeah, that makes sense. I, uh, it, it sounds like it sort of ties back to that authenticity too, because like you said, brands are kind of like people and we have different facets to us and are complicated. And, you know, if, if it's a physician practice, there are, you know, that maybe is a specialty practice that focuses on this or the other thing. And they, they, their doctors do a lot of research, but then, you know, there's also all of the, you know, administrative and support or nurses, you know, the, the, the heart and soul behind the practice that people maybe want to know, because when they go in there, they spend all this time and, you know, part of the brand isn't just we're a world-class research output, you know, group. We also play softball on, on Sunday night or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you know what I what I've noticed before, and I think companies and brands are are getting better at this, more so agencies. Um, I've noticed that for some reason, a lot of agent marketing agencies that have clients that do really great work and they create this like amazing content for their clients on their own page, they neglect it. And they will do a lot of like behind the scenes, like now we're, ha- we're having cake because it's someone's birthday, you know, like this, this kind of content that um, I'm not sure where it lives because when mm-hmm. I see that I'm th- I, and I, I've, I, for years I've, I've noticed this and it's so interesting to me because I'll see this and I'll wonder you create the really strong content for these brands but you're not showcasing that or doing that for your own brand. And I don't know who the audience is for this, right? So are you trying to recruit me as a potential employee? So you're showing me the like behind the scenes, we're having cake, you know, (laughs) kind of like this is what happens (laughs) at our agency. Or are you trying to create a general appeal and like, here are the people who make up our company. So I think that 
that can be a struggle for a lot of organizations that service other people or other organizations, similarly with hospitals, you know, versus a, a brand product where it's like, here is our product that you order online. Um, I think that can get kind of complicated sometimes when you have people who make up your product. Um, so it just that's a personal anecdote about how, for me, I I don't love <laughs> when I see a lot of that and it just seems very random. I think there's a there's a refined way to show the people behind the organization in a in a way that can offer a lot of value. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I've heard it kind of leads me into one of the uh, another question I had about brand ambassadors. So you know, I've heard or seen certain organizations they kind of have a front person, if you will. So in a hospital, it could be, you know, Dr. Stevens or, you know, Nurse Betty or, or whoever. Um, what are your thoughts on that for an organization like a hospital or a, or a healthcare practice to use internal kind of brand ambassadors? Yeah, I think, I think brand ambassadors or influencers or advocates you know, whatever you want to call them, the the function is the same, right? So it's someone who's speaking on behalf of your organization and supporting what they're offering and saying to you, here's what they can offer and I'm endorsing it and I'm giving it my stamp of approval. Um, I think those roles, the brand ambassador roles, um, are really as bridge builders, right? They're closing the gap between the brand um, or the organization, they're interchangeable in my mind. So they're, they're bridging the gap between the brand and the, and the, with an offering and the audience. Um, and the audience may not know that they need it. Um, so I think having that is hugely valuable. Um, just like in, you know, I was going to say real life, but so social <laughs> media is real life now, right? Like our lives are comprised mm. of on and offline and that is the reality. And, but just like outside of social media life, when someone makes a recommendation on your behalf, you are more likely to do that or to hire that person or, you know, or buy the product. Um, I think where it can get tricky is if it's either overdone or if it's, not the right fit. So it, and that all ties back to what we were talking about earlier with authenticity, right? So if it is someone who is an authentic brand ambassador, and it doesn't mean that they can't be paid. I mean, they can, they can absolutely be hired for their endorsement, but if it makes sense, then people are more likely to accept that. If it is completely off brand and seems contrived, that's going to turn people away. So it's, I think the biggest thing is apply what you would apply in life to social media too. That's a good way to look at it. I've heard it before from, from some people and talking about social, we, you know, we all grew up as the internet was you know, pre-internet or as it was emerging. Um, and it was like very like right like your your online life was not your real life mm-hmm. but now with our smartphones in our pockets and instagram and linkedin i mean it is facebook it's our lives are not only in person but they're on these social platforms and 
you know, you could, people can hide or, or, or do anything, but you know, usually it's like, I wake up and Owen had uh, coffee and biscuits for breakfast and that's real life that I saw on his uh, Instagram stories. Right. So yeah. And you know, it's an, a really interesting way to look at it's it. It's so interesting. And what we're really, what we're going to see after with COVID is like really that leaning into <laughs> deep authenticity in it. And, you know, I hesitate to say authenticity just because it's super, it's just overused, but people are now like, all of those other ways that we could fabricate our lives on social media, like we're all at home, right? So, <laughs> you know, yeah. like we're all at home. And so what's so interesting is that we're really seeing um, a shift in what uh, people are wanting out of social media and what they're creating. And, um, and you know, uh, I have a friend who runs a social, um, social media influencer agency and um, they've been creating weekly reports about the trends during during COVID and um, what was very interesting last week was that um, the top verticals for content were education and community which in the past it wasn't that at all I mean it was beauty or fashion you know and so we're seeing this shift happen where education and community are really at the forefront of how we're using social media. And like you said at the very beginning too, uh, as people focus on or organizations focus on their expertise, it's really hard to stay on what the current movements, trends, things that are going on. And we're obviously in extraordinary times, um, terrible and extraordinary times. And it's all happening so quickly you know two week old piece of news is very very outdated uh right now and to partner with the right kind of organizations you know marketing or different agencies can help stay on those topics to know kind of maybe where you should be focusing or at least think about it moving forward as things shift and change so that kind of leads me to another question i had since um, we're talking a little bit about kind of the this pandemic we're unfortunately in right now, um, which has been terrible and is, is heartbreaking to see, you know, there are a lot of communities out there that are pretty stricken with fear. Uh, they don't know what they don't know. There's a lot of different information. You know, the news is one thing. They look on social media, right, and they see a different thing. How do you see... Uh, hospitals potentially leveraging their online presence, their social media presence that they maybe already have to help lead their communities through these hard times? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think that it really goes back to who the community is and creating content for them. So if you are a hospital and your community is potential patients or, you know, it's not, let's say for argument's sake, your community is not doctors right? Your community is patients, people who don't have medical training or experience who might really not understand what's happening to the same extent and might be very scared. And um, I think understanding that you can then create content that supports them. What you don't want to do <laughs> is create content that fuels that fear, right? Because it is an option to engage with a brand on social media. At any moment, 
your audience can decide, no, I'm not interested anymore. And that is their right as the audience on social media. So what you want to do as a brand is create content that your audience wants to see. (laughs) So if your audience is scared, don't create hysteria. You know, like really, how can you share content that is going to help educate or somehow make the community feel supported by what you're, you, the expert, or the person who has the brand that has more experience than the audience? Like, how can you provide something that they're actually going to be interested in engaging with and that they want to elect to continue to follow along with, right? So that's, that's the social media in a nutshell is like, because they can always choose to leave, you want to be constantly creating content that is of interest. And so in, in during, during all of this, in this time, what can your hospital offer your community that can make them feel better and more knowledgeable. Sure. Yeah. That, that definitely, that definitely hits home a little bit as, you know, as somebody who sits at home and looks to healthcare providers and doctors and hospital systems to provide either some ease or just some truth to help kind of navigate through all this. And we're all kind of yearning, I think, for some of that leadership to help, to help get through what we're dealing with. So, you know, in thinking about that kind of context, but I think appropriate maybe for, for future, you know, when we're hopefully past all this as quickly as possible, um, in creating that content, you know, we talked a little bit about being authentic and, and doing with what you know, but in having a good plan, but, you know, maybe challenging right now to plan, would you suggest even that, hospitals because there's obviously some you know all of the kind of like necessary regulation aside um either doctors or hospitals kind of just start in a way just kind of put some things out there that they think like okay i have in mind i want to talk to my potential patients in the community they might be fearful i feel like i could help um you know should they just send a tweet should they just you know, post something on Instagram to just even get the wheels turning and then see if it connects or maybe approach it a different way. Do you have any kind of thoughts about that? So you're saying in this scenario, they're not currently, they don't currently have uh, a social media presence. Or they have one, but you know, it's not, they maybe don't, they have like a person who runs it and it's sort of, yeah, we have it on the back burner. Um, we, we update our page here and there, but it's not, they haven't really used it to amplify their voice or to put themselves out as community leaders. Yeah. So just sort of in the context of this time, like, you know, would you have a recommendation as sort of, we'll take your time, maybe get a solid plan or maybe just try to start, you know, bring some of your knowledge, bring the education, bring your voice to lead through you know, this powerful communication yeah, tool. Yeah, I would say in this time, saying nothing can say a lot. So I wouldn't recommend saying nothing and staying quiet because, you know, what we were talking about before is communities are looking for support. And if you are a leader in the healthcare industry or you have some knowledge, you know, now is the time where communities are like really craving 
leadership, guidance, uh, knowledge, <laughs> education, you know, things that, things that they don't have. And, you know, there's such a focus on, on health and healthcare right now that if you are within that industry, you really have a great opportunity to, to guide your communities. And um, so in that sense, I would say, don't, don't not do anything with that be mindful of what you're doing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. sure. yeah. um, because everyone is so sensitive, um, it, it is a very easy misstep to post something um, and offend people, right? So you have to really be mindful mm-hmm. of the climate and the temperature of where everyone's heads are at now. You know, don't... I, I don't even, I'm trying to think of an example, but like, you know, maybe don't post a liposuction 50% off procedure, you know, or something. So just be mindful <laughs> yeah. to not be insensitive of what everyone is going through, you know, and in that sense, we are collectively going through something. Um, so brands can know kind of what to tap into because we're all experiencing it. N- normally, people are going through different things. So you might offend someone not meaning to, and it may be more difficult to not, um, you know, to appeal to the masses. But in this case, we're all kind of going through something similar. And while there are nuanced experiences and you have to be mindful of what those could be, I think it's a lot easier right now to produce content that can be supportive um, and to the communities without without the risk of um, being insensitive. That's well said, for sure. I think, um, you know, we all like to hear from our hospitals and healthcare leaders, because especially now it's kind of more important than ever. And uh, saying nothing, I really like that. You know, saying, saying nothing can say a lot or, you know, is, is a powerful thing too. And, and we want to hear that you know, that voice of, uh, of leadership and health in these challenging times, um, you know, say, well, we know that we will eventually see the light at the end of the tunnel um, as coronavirus, as we get a vaccine and we do all the right steps to get through what we're dealing with right now. Um, so let's take maybe another scenario, if that's okay, like a hospital or like a primary care practice that has dabbled, but not really jumped in and are hesitant to say, Oh, I really just don't want to put myself like if I'm a single practicing physician, or I don't want to put our hospital out there. I just want to do like kind of generic shots of the hospital. Like, you know, maybe in this time we're, we're, we're shooting out some like supportive messages and some information, but not really jumping in and they're hesitant to, you know, and then they don't want to necessarily go, hire, you know, $50,000 retainer agency, because it's a big investment. Mm-hmm. You know, do you, do you have some recommendations for like the baby steps that they could take into the realm of social media to, you know, either test it out or so that they, they can then say, you know what, this is a good idea. Let's really plan this out and leverage everything to its kind of full potential. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think because, um, because of the, you know, right now, <laughs> the climate, meaning, you know, right. how everyone is, um, 
it really is a great time to, sh- to, to start. Um, but to be mindful of what you're posting, kind of what we just talked about where, um, but it's a great way to just produce some content that is supporting communities um, and kind of dip your toe in the water. If you're someone who is not comfortable doing it, that, that is content you can do, you know, like there's the content is supportive content. Um, I would say because social media is always evolving, um, you know, it's, it is good to connect with people who are just well, well versed in it. Um, so if you're not someone who's comfortable doing social media, hire someone who is and work with them. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, you, you mentioned a $50,000 retainer for an agency. It doesn't need to be that agency. Um, you know, there are tons of independent social media consultants. Um, honestly, if you just go generations lower <laughs> than whoever you are, you're going to tap into people who are probably more more well versed in it than you are. So, like, you know, if you're if you're 60 years old, um, even talking with someone who might be 30, uh, they might be able to provide you with some insights in social media. Um, that you don't already have. And that could be, you know, a free conversation. Um, If you're really looking for more structure and you want to hire someone as part of your team, um, I would look into consultants. Um, There are really phenomenal independent social media consultants who can just boost your brand. They are so knowledgeable and um, can be really great partners. I, I would just say, again, like if it's not what you're don't focus on it, just outsource, <laughs> you know, and bring in mm-hmm. partnerships. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the answer is not, uh, don't, don't do it because you don't know. I think it's just figure out a way to do it with the right support team. Yeah. That sounds like a very sensible approach, I would say, and good to start, you know, now. And, you know, we, we try, and I think all, everyone tries to, to search for any sort of silver lining and all this. And I know it's particularly hard for those organizations, people um, who are on the front lines trying to, to fight off this, this virus, Um, you know, but for potentially those of us in, in ancillary parts of healthcare, you know, like myself, you know, what can we do? And maybe it is a good time to start testing out. And like you said, the content's kind of there. What's supportive, helpful beneficial messages can we put out yeah um you know during these times but i think that's a great way to think about it well and, and building off of that i would also say don't try to do everything because because yeah. there are so many platforms um and you know brands do this a lot but and i think it's a natural reaction is i need to be present on everything but that's a lot of work and so if you don't have your brand doesn't have the bandwidth to accommodate that um i it makes more sense to pick one platform <laughs> that you know is, a, you know, your audience is there and put your energy in that. And then when that's good and you're feeling comfortable, then go to another one. Um, you know, this is, this is a recommendation if you're trying to do this on your own. Um, I think it, it, it makes more sense to have a, have strong engagement on one platform than, mediocre or low engagement across all of them. Um, And that also ties back to who's your audience. 
And what are you trying to achieve? (laughs) So, you know, there is a strategy behind all of it and it makes sense to actually know what you're doing. And I think I really brands, I've, I've seen a lot of brands, my clients included that get caught up in what's trendy and they lose sight of what makes sense for their brand. Um, I worked with a, just a quick anecdote. I worked with a um, cola company who in 2012 um, hipster culture, and I'm doing air quotes, but you can't see it, but (laughs) maybe you could tell from my voice, hipster culture um, was very trendy. And so this cola brand uh, really wanted to tap into hipster culture by creating a hipster cola. Now, if you know anything about hipster culture, especially in 2012, when that was very trendy, um, they are the antithesis of what the hipster culture, the hipsters, the audience wanted. Corporate brands are not what they wanted. And so it, there was just this huge disconnect between the brand to recognize that the audience they're trying to reach actually hates them. <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> by definition, hates them. And so, you know, right. I, and I've seen this many, many times. I've seen it with with uh, social media, different marketing trends, you know, it's like brands want to want to do whatever is trendy. And I think um, that can be really detrimental. You know, you have to understand who your brand is, who your audience is, and then you figure out where to connect with them. And sometimes it might not be the sexy, trendy thing that other brands are doing, but it's going to be the thing that connects you to your audience. And that's what's most important. Got it. I love that. That's a great way. So you're saying maybe don't get on TikTok right away. Is you know what? So I... <laughs> I... <laughs> no, I, you know, I don't know. I think, I think there's a really, well, well, apparently everyone's on TikTok now. So, so that argument doesn't hold what it once, once did, <laughs> but um, no, I think, I think there, I think it depends. I think if you can make a case for, why this can produce fun, interesting content that your audience, your communities will enjoy, then, then sure, go on TikTok, you know? And I think, I think what's really interesting about social media is that it breaks down this barrier that used to exist between organizations and individuals. And the only way we used to connect with them was through like commercials or billboards or ads. And now you can actually have conversations with them through social media. You know, there are the brands that show up on social media and comment, you know, they go through these brand wars between Wendy's and, you know, McDonald's and they're all fighting and it's funny. And, you know, we're, we're, they're really taking on their own personas and it's, it's fascinating. Um, And it also allows us accessibility to the brand. And in the cases of what we're discussing, hospitals and organizations, the people who make up the brand. So I think being able to see the doctors, you know, especially during this time, you know, we're all in our homes. So if there's a way to gain access and know like what's happening at the hospitals, there's this curiosity that we have, you know, and so in that case, maybe seeing some doctors on TikTok, that's nice. <laughs> you know, like we that right? is that's yeah. that's compelling content because it's entertaining and it shows us these are the people that make up your organization. And I like that, you know, cause the whole, the whole point is creating a connection. So the next time you're given an option between 
two different similar organizations, you pick the one that you feel comfortable with, either because you know that they have a stronger background and what you need their support with, or because you like them and they're funny and they do TikTok. You know, it's like, it, right. it's going to vary, but that's what it's all about is just creating a connection. I think that is a phenomenal way to think about it. I think that's really great. And um, maybe a great uh, kind of ending point on topping, talking about social media and the interplay with hospitals and healthcare, but uh, super helpful, super informative. Um, So thank you for sharing all that with us and giving us your thoughts. I did want to, if it's all right with you, I usually like to ask um, just a couple of sort of rapid fire questions and oh boy. there's a there, I know there's always fun. There's not that <laughs> okay. many of them there. only one of them is kind of silly but um could what are your uh this is because this is maybe more of a selfish question I ask everybody but what are your uh, one to three all-time favorite books oh boy oh <laughs> boy <laughs> okay 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 I feel like I am in the hot seat here and I feel like I should have this answer queued up. Um, I am currently, well, can I switch it? Can I, can I share instead what I'm currently reading? Because here's the thing, here's my answer. I know I'm making this answer very complicated, but I listen to a lot of audio books and I have read Mm -hmm. a lot of books and I really like the personal development world. However, I think it keeps changing names. The category keeps changing names, but I like continuing to learn and I'm very curious. So I read a lot of those kinds of books. Um, So what I'm reading now, three different books I'm reading now. Am I going to be embarrassed that I'm reading this? Um, No, certainly (laughs) not. One is um, by uh, Tara Moore. And it's called um, the, oh, hold on. What is it called? Let me open my Audible. The, the great, the big, hold on. Terrible answer. Are you going to, are you airing this? <laughs> you should delete it. <laughs> okay. I so, might need to. No, you, know, no, you might I, need to. Okay. So, you get final say on what, what gets aired. So no worries. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. So. Book one that I'm reading. And I, so what's, what's been really fun about this is I'm doing like virtual book clubs with different friends. So we're each, we're cool. reading like one or two chapters a week and then we're coming together and we're talking about it and there are different groups and they're different topics. So it's actually really fun. Um, so one book is by Tara Moore called Playing Big. Um, and that book is really interesting because it is talking about um, kind of the, dialogue we have in our head so um and the dialogue in our head that stops us from doing things and makes us think that we're not capable and you know she talks about fear and there's this one part where um that voice you hear in your head that's like kind of being mean to you um that you should name it and so Mm. (laughs) when when (laughs) next time you hear it you're like hey get out of here (laughs) like I hear you. So, so that's one book that I really like. Um, I'm also reading the Millionaire Master Master Plan um, by Roger James Hamilton. 
and that one's interesting. And that is about different um, levels of wealth and achieving wealth and how oftentimes people try to bypass the level they're in to get to another level. So they're not, they're not, it's not successful for them because maybe they're a red level and they're trying to get to a yellow level. So they're doing yellow level tactics, but really they have to get, you have to get through the orange level to get to the yellow level. So it's about really Mm. um, not forcing who you, not forcing a a path that you're not queued up to do. Um, And that's where you hit like, but also with interest because you take a test at the beginning. It's very interesting. Like how, yeah, it's, it's fascinating in how, um, different people, we know this, but are good at different things. So if, if something seems really hard for you, it might just be you're not wired that way. Like, go focus on the thing you're, that you're good at and that you enjoy that comes naturally. Stop trying to be someone you're not and focus on something you're not because you're just going to keep hitting walls. So that's yeah. interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And then <laughs> the third book I'm reading right now is The, Arch- the Archetype Diet. Um, by Dana James and that one is similarly you take a test and it's about how um, who you are and and people's relationships with food based on who they are if they're a nurturer if they're a femphetal it's I think it's targeting women but still interesting Um, yeah anyway but but a similar kind of like growth and understanding of self and um, you know going from there living your best life Cool. Yeah. Well, we all strive for that for sure. But um, those are great. Recommend- I love, you know, I love it. I'm going to check. I check all of the books out that people recommend to me. I'm a big reader. And I think personal development is, you know, uh, we'll see what it's called next year, but is a, right. is, is super, is like super important. And I read tons of books about those different topics. Well, so and that's great. I'm, I'm finding audio, audio books are, have been so great because I'm spending so much time on the computer and I'm, you know, reading a lot for school and it's just kind of like a nice way to digest the information without reading a book. Um, so I'm still mm-hmm. listening to it, but it's a nice break for my eyes. Yeah, well, I'm sure uh, reading the tomes of intellectual property law books that you uh, that you're reading these days, you know, <laughs> like 15 by 15 pages, eight point type font. I love uh, it. I love yeah. it. You need it. <laughs> That's good. Somebody's got to love it. You know, it's me. Um, so uh, one one more like little rapid fire. But uh, if you could pick just one social media platform to use mm-hmm. for the rest of your life, currently existing or old, like if you want to kick it to MySpace, like I'm okay with that. Uh, what would it be? Well, oh, then I have to pick Instant Messenger just because. I mean, you gave me the option. And any opportunity to talk about AOL Instant Messenger, I will jump on it. So you're talking like old school, like AIM. Yes, AIM. Perfect. Um, So I actually really like to ask people, what was your AIM handle um, as my rapid fire question? So to you. (laughs) Yeah, to me. Okay. So like I had like my first one, like my OG one. Your favorite one, whichever one. Okay, I um when I, very first AIM like AOL username was I think Ace one two three four one two three. Okay. Because 
it's like it's not as embarrassing as maybe it should be but I was like you know however old I was and I was like like if I could pick my name my name would be Ace because that's cool and then just like like, like Ace Ventura do you think it had something to do with that I don't know if it was Ace Ventura I just like you know like Ace, Ace of Spades like just Ace <laughs> I like it Ace. Um. <laughs> it's almost embarrassing and it's like ridiculous <laughs> like simplicity of the, of the thought process <laughs> Um, well, I'm going to one-up you because mine's pretty bad. Uh, Ready. So I feel like I sh- the disclaimer should be this was created at the time when there were, it was like Spice Girls and there was a lot, Girl was a big thing. So basically, oh, yeah. <clears throat> I, I, played, I played a lot of sports. I identified with Sporty Spice as my available options of which Spice Girls you identify most with. Sure. Um. So my handle was spore, sport, spore T, capital T, uh-huh. girl, girl, no I, zero. Ooh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this, sporty girl. <laughs> yeah, I like the the spelling is an important part because as Very we important. all know, like <laughs> who used AIM, like. It wasn't just how you said it. It was sort of also how you spelled it that was very important. So article. true, so true. Um, Sporty but, girl, okay. zero. <laughs> nice. So bad. Um, I think you learn a lot about people based on what their AIM name was. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but a more, uh, more contemporary answer to your question is uh, I, I'm going to go with Instagram as my final answer because... I kind of can't stand Facebook. I think the it's just not as user friendly for me. And I like the engagement that happens on Instagram. Um, I like I'm visual, so I've always really liked that Instagram is a visual platform, whereas Twitter mm-hmm. is a word platform. I and mean, even you can do posts on uh, visual posts on um, on Twitter. But I I actually really like that Instagram. Um, taps so much into what we're seeing and is just an aesthetic platform um yeah so instagram is my answer all right good answer yeah mine would be linkedin because, Ooh. Uh, yeah i know I, you know good can functionality. you expand on that a little bit yeah like you know you can do you can post videos now like you can do like instagram live even and stream things and I just, I just like to read, you know, I like Instagram and stuff, but like I, I am probably on LinkedIn more than anything because I just, I have a, a resurged thirst for, for knowledge and kind of like learning and, and my passions lie in different places. And one of them is probably obviously in, in healthcare and there's so much I don't know. And there's so many people on there who are talking about, you know, how they treat specific patients or like what healthcare organizations are doing from a business perspective, um, you know, currently, you you know, you feel like those conversations are not happening on other platforms. You know, maybe that's a great question for you because I feel like they're not, or I haven't there maybe on Twitter, there's actually a good like med Twitter hashtag med Twitter. That's like goes around, but I haven't found it as much. And so I find it a lot Mm. on LinkedIn and I really, I like the engagement too on LinkedIn. I mean, I've can, I connected with like a doctor in like New York city recently and like, you know, messaged him about Frank, funnily enough about social media and how to get on Twitter and um, 
and then asked him like a question about, you know, some like healthcare thing. And it, you know, I just, I find that the, the engagement there is really good and the, the educational information there is, is awesome. So. so is LinkedIn sponsoring this episode? <laughs> <laughs> if only, no. If Reed, Hoffman, if Reed Hoffman ever hears this episode, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn, you know, anytime. Um, but so. what I think we can all agree with is that it's so great across all the platforms that people are accessible at all different levels and that, you know, that's anyone from business leaders to celebrities to, you know, people you don't know, but who have specialized uh, experiences in fields that are interesting to you. Um, I think it's so great because really not that long ago, there was just a huge divide between accessibility. I mean, I remember that like when I, when I was in college, it was really hard to get a hold of people. Um, you just couldn't. I mean, it was just not easy. And now with social media, you can get a hold of anyone and you can have conversations with them and, and really interesting conversations too. Um, so I think we can all agree social media is kind of awesome in that way. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. So, you know, where can, after this, um, after, unfortunately, they can't find you through Sporty Girl Zero. But where can people find you um, online, on social media, otherwise that, uh, you know, you want to put yeah. out there? I, I am on LinkedIn. I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. Uh, you know, I think I'd say LinkedIn and Instagram are probably the best ways to connect with me. Um, I'm most active on those two, but you know what? Here, food for thought, food for thought. Let's create, okay, app developers out there. Let's create an app where everything is just connected because it seems a little ridiculous at this point that we have to search across the different platforms when we're all just trying to reach the same person, right? So why mm -hmm. is it that like, I need to find you here and here and here when we're all, we're all on all of them. <laughs> like you should yeah. just automatically <laughs> link up and just create a lot less work. Cause then also what happens is you're segmented and it's like, well, I connected with him on LinkedIn, but like, we're not connected on Facebook. So like, who do I know on the, in this platform and who's connected on this platform? And it, it's just very messy. So. Interesting. All right. When you launch that billion dollar app company, there we go. you remember, you know, don't forget about me, the little guy. Fueled um, by LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rebecca, thank you so much for spending some time with, uh, with me, with everybody listening in. This was super valuable. I learned a lot. I hope everybody listening learned a lot. And again, just want to thank you for your time and um, look forward to, to hearing more soon, I hope. Yeah, thank you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs>